Welcome to the C9 Win Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk about Henry G and grading his performance as a GM so far. I'm going to talk about Kassad leaving, who I think the new coach should be, and then also recap the 9 to 5 event, which was the last event of the year and was after episode 4. So let's start with Henry G. How has Henry G been as a GM? So I would give Henry G a solid B. So let's go through kind of what he did to start. So the first thing he did was hire Kassad arguably the hottest coach on the market and someone who has like immense respect all throughout the scene. And coaches are not easy to find. And to get one of this caliber was a great first move for Henry and kind of like a, I'm not messing around kind of move. Then he got Alex, which was like another hot prospect and a highly respected and proven in-game leader. So both of these moves were fantastic and a really good foundation to start a new roster. So to round out the team, he hit all the marks that I want him to hit in building a team. He got a high caliber, like all-star player in Woxic. He got young, super hungry talent and another very smart vet to round it out. So as far as team chemistry goes, I thought he nailed all the roles perfectly with the team. As I said in previous podcasts, it's very easy for GMs to fall into this trap of getting as much stars as possible and like just trying to make it work. But this is not the way to build a successful team. A successful team has like clearly defined stars with the rest of the players being stars at their role in the team. Not everyone can be like LeBron. Someone has to be the player who's just standing in the corner waiting to see if they get the ball to shoot a three. So he checked really every box of the kind of roster that I was hoping that he would build. Now, would it have been nice for them to sign a current top five player? Sure. But did people expect it based on the hype he was creating? Probably. But that was never really realistic. And even still, he did bring in a, bring in a pretty big player in Woxic. And you can't really ask for more or a better roster on paper when he's starting with nothing and it's literally the middle of the CS season. So another thing that Henry G has done really well is he's actually gotten so many people to be talking about Cloud9. The entire like CSGO esports business is basically built around merch, right? So this isn't a normal sport where there's like revenue sharing and crazy TV deals and all that kind of stuff where a team like the Clippers before Balmer bought them can just literally do nothing, spend no money, have terrible teams and just make obscene amounts of money because they're getting revenue from the large markets. You can't do that in CS. You really have to earn every dollar you make. So more people have been talking about Cloud9 than arguably any other team in the last few months, I would say. And we haven't even won anything. So win or lose, he has created a ton of exposure and potentially even pushed Cloud9 from maybe being on a B stream on a tournament to then being on the A stream because so many people are talking about them. He's probably sold quite a few jerseys and maybe even some of the Stratus kits. Like every single move he was making, whether people thought it was a good move or a bad move, was talked about like how many tweets and like Reddit posts and whatever were about S tag and the money that he was making, whether it was a good hire that was talked about for literally weeks. And even after going Oh, and two in flashpoint, like cloud nine was all over Reddit, all over Twitter. People were like memeing on us. Like the worst thing you can be is irrelevant. And Henry has used like his stature to like really push this cloud nine team into the community and, everyone's talking about them and I'm sure that their watch numbers are much higher than normal 
because people who might not care at all about Cloud9 or they hate Cloud9 are now watching their games because they want to be tweeting at Cloud9 or at Henry being like, lol, you lost, you know, whatever. Um, people are talking. People are really interested in what's going on. He's showing up in every single one of their videos. He's doing more interviews than like anyone else in the scene, it seems like. He's been like with Richard and Thorne and all these people. He's been all over like the YouTube and Twitch videos. And he's really putting the players in the limelight. And this is not normal for a GM. Like, do you know Liquid or Evil Geniuses or Genji's GMs? Like, how many GMs can you even name in the scene? Like, it's very few. Usually they're just kind of in the back, just managing the team or whatever. They're not up front in the videos, being the face, kind of creating this whole environment around the team. And it's a very unique part of his role that he has accepted. And I think he's doing an extremely good job of this. So after the initial moves, kind of what has gone on. So when Henry first took over, he said he was going to be involved with the team in some capacity in the server. And we have seen game-to-game improvement, some game-to-game improvement being very large. And so it's hard to say how much impact he's actually had in that aspect without really knowing his role or having any idea what the involvement actually looks like in the server. But I felt that it should be mentioned because we have seen tremendous growth in the team. So he could have had some part in that. Next was Kassad leaving the team. And I'm going to get more into Kassad next. But in terms of Henry's role with that, it seems that he made a mistake in hiring him. Now, Kassad was the first signing. And when he was talking with Kassad about what he wanted and looking at Alex, there should have been a bunch of conversations between Kassad and Alex that were taking place before they were committed to. And I'm sure there were, but it seems like there should have been a little bit more there. Now, hiring coaches can be so hard because you look at their history and you see their success, but you don't really know how much they contributed to that success. Like, was there a star player that was doing a lot of it? Was there a different player who was like leading it? Were their assistants good? Did everyone just like this coach? And so they always talk him up, but his X's and O's aren't the best. It's so hard to know. And you see this across all sports. And in the pre-hire interview, like it's always going to go well. Cloud9 doesn't even have a team. Like what could Kassad possibly say that isn't going to get him hired? He's just going to come in and be like, oh, we're going to work hard. We're going to play smart. We're going to work as a team. We're going to do these strats, like whatever. Like he's going to look for whatever boxes Henry wants checked and he's going to check those. And then Henry's going to say, okay, and roll the dice. And how many coaches have you seen across all sports that have success somewhere, get hired somewhere else and they have different personnel and they just have no success. Like we see it all the time. You see it with college coaches going pro or highly successful assistants in an organization being hired to be a head coach and they can't pull it off. Like you see this all over the place. So it seems like there should have been a few more conversations between Alex and Kassad that should have happened to make those two pieces fit and make sure that they were both happy. But, and this is very, very important. Henry absolutely made the correct call when there was discourse between a coach and a player to keep the player. If you have talent that you believe in, you have to keep that talent. Coaches can be replaced far easier than true talent. If Henry had gotten rid of Alex and then went looking for an IGL that fit Kassad's playstyle, I would have been extremely concerned. So why did I give Henry a B based on all these good things? So I think Henry has made very thoughtful and correct decisions up and down the board since being hired. 
And I think it's safe to say that he has a clear understanding of what it takes to run a team. But there is the misfire with a coach, and I can't give an A to a GM of a team that hasn't won anything yet. So it's a B. So let's move on to Kassad. There seems to be a lot of unknowns revolving around him kind of leaving out of the blue. And my thoughts in general on a successful coach is that they have to be able to adjust to the talent that they have. So in order to maximize the talent on your team, you have to create game plans around your specific team's strengths. So Alex has a fairly defined way that he likes to approach each round and how he puts himself and plays around within that. So in my opinion... Alex is playing very similar to the way that he played on Vitality based on the demos that I watched. So Kassad should have been creating game plans around this before the rest of the roster was even announced. Once it was him and Alex, he should have seen this coming and been game planning and getting ready for this before anyone else even came on board. And as a coach, like you can't take over a team with Steph Curry and be like, hey, you know, my offense runs around a point guard who isn't a shooter they're instead more of a facilitator they're passing they're driving all these kinds of things so i'm gonna need you to now be driving and passing rather than being a shooter or like an nfl team that has like a dual threat quarterback you don't want to create schemes where that quarterback is now just sitting in the pocket and that's what the whole scheme revolves around when their talent is around being able to do all sorts of other things You have to be able to be flexible and game plan around the true strengths of the talent that you have. And I don't really see how they couldn't make this work unless either Kassad thinks that the way that Alex plays and sees the game is never going to win. So he's unwilling to adjust or he just wasn't able to deviate away from what he has done historically and actually meet Alex and create game plans around his strengths. But now there's also this other elephant in the room of him being hired by his former team literally the next day. So in the initial interviews with Kassad, he had said that he didn't want to take over a project team. And I'd always kind of wondered how that would work because this is a roster from scratch. Like it was always going to be a project no matter what. So was it possible that he like already had one foot out the door when he took the job and it seemed like it might be a good job or he would get paid well or whatever? Or when 100 Thieves dropped their roster a month later, did he then decide, oh, I'd rather go back and be with them. I just didn't like the 100 Thieves org. Or were there actually stylistic differences between him and Alex? Or were they not really that bad and he just wanted to leave? Like the whole thing just seems kind of weird and leaves a lot of questions behind. But in the end, as I said before, Henry absolutely made the right call in keeping Alex and then looking elsewhere for a coach. So... Who should be the new coach? So let's think about what the team actually needs in a coach first. So this team has one of the most respected IGLs in CSGO and someone who's very cerebral and has ways that he likes to play and approach every game. This team also also has Woxic, a proven top 15 player in the world, and Estag, another player who's been around a while and has immense knowledge of the game. This team doesn't need a coach to come in and just create this whole new system and put everyone in that because that's how they want to play the game. I believe that Alex already has the system that he likes and that it has been shown that it can be strong. So I believe that Cloud9 needs a coach that instead of overhauling from top to bottom, comes alongside the players and instead enhances every aspect of their game. 
someone who absolutely brings it in the film room, like holds them accountable for the tiniest details, comes up with fantastic scouting reports and counter strats and whatever, and enhances the conversation between the entire team so that they all work better together. So like the perfect example of this is Frank Vogel on the Lakers, if you follow the NBA at all. If not, I'll kind of explain it. But the Lakers had LeBron and Rondo last year when they won. And these two people are known as some of the smartest minds in basketball. That's been told time and time again about people love how cerebral and smart these players are. And there was constantly rumors coming out all year of how incredible their film sessions were with the coaches coming in with these like insane reports and all this data and film that would just spur this discussion that then the whole team would get involved in. So you have these coaches coming in with the ports and you have these super smart players getting in and being a part of this whole game plan and seeing what's going on and all talking together to create just this all like encompassing plan. So like these are some of the quotes from the Lakers players. So here's one quote. Preparation was top tier. There were a couple of film sessions during the Portland series on Dame and CJ, who are two players on the Portland team, and how we were going to play the scouting report. And I remember LeBron clapping it up like, that's a hell of a scout, a hell of a job. Another quote, what I love the most about him, the coach Frank Vogel, is how he teaches in the film room. He calls guys out. He teaches the right way with constructive criticism. And like I said, the guys are so receptive. So when you get out on the court and we go over it and the next thing you know, it's showing up in the game. So you can see how on the Lakers, like he has a system and stuff, but what he does is he understands how his players are going and what their strengths are. And then he just brings in the film room and uses all the minds of the whole team to just create this plan. So who would, who would be good to do this on a team like us with Alex and Waxik and Estag and then young up-and-coming talent who have their own opinions who can just kind of create this environment of all working together and just be bringing it in the film room? So who would be good for that? And luckily for Cloud9, I think that this player is already on the payroll, and that's Josh Mix. So I think Josh has proven that he's a fantastic analyst and also like a film room junkie. And I think that he could absolutely crush that side of it and bring in all sorts of tape and examples, which then get discussed by the whole team and create this incredible game plan and sharpen each other. The one question here, though, would be, can he be the heavy hand if he needs to be? Can he come down on a player who's making mistakes? Can he navigate the team dynamics to make sure the chemistry is good? Can he be the one to recenter the team after like a brutal loss or a brutal round or whatever? There's a lot more responsibility to being a coach than there is an analyst because all your decisions are final. Like there's no one to defer to. You're not bringing tape and then kind of seeing what they decide to do with it. It's you're the coach, but I think he deserves the opportunity and I think that it would work out really well. So we'll see what Henry ultimately decides. And I trust his judgment based on the moves that he's already made. So we'll see where he goes from there. And lastly, I wanted to touch on the 9-5 to tournament because it was kind of Mezzi's coming out party. Cloud9 went 1-1, one one, but both of the matches were by far Mezzi's best matches. He literally hard carried the team to win that first match, and in the second match was playing super well. But the problem is that when Mezzi's popping off, that means that there's problems happening with the rest of the team. Him being put in a lot of these clutch situations that he pulled off a lot of the time, 
But him being put in these situations is because the other team is struggling based on the role that he's playing. So if nothing else, though, this had to be a fantastic confidence booster for Mezzi. I said last pod that I felt like he might be having a little bit of a hard time playing his game while trying to deal with all that comes with a new team, like learning the new strats, trying to figure out how Alex plays, trying to play off each other. When you're playing and you're thinking about so much other stuff other than what you're supposed to be doing, it can be hard to play your own game. But I think that matches like this can like completely erase like that extra fear or anxiety or any sort of like doubt that he has coming up to a new team and he feels like he's not playing well or he feels like things are too weird. Matches like this can absolutely erase that. And so I think this is going to be great for Mezzi and was a great way for him to end the year. And the two teams that they played in the tournament were the easiest opponents so far based on ranking. But the games were also at like 9 and 10 a.m. their time. The player break was coming up. It was like the end of the beginning of the team. So it's okay that they lost. I'm not too worried about it. Both games were kind of bad. Um, It would have been nice to get the win and like end the year on like a tournament win. But regardless, the last two months has been a great showing from the team. And they've really showed the growth that they can have and the ceiling that they can have. And then another thing to think about for Cloud9 is because of who they are, other teams are always going to get up for their matches. So Cloud9 is one of the biggest orgs. They're the only NA org with a major. The team is like always memeing on everyone. Like, you know, other teams are always ready to face and they're going to always want to beat Cloud9, especially if they're below them in the rankings. So it's similar to how like NBA players always get up to play the Knicks and Madison Square Garden, which is like a historic arena. Everyone loves playing there. And so it's just something different about playing Cloud9. And this was only really heightened by Henry G's like month-long hype fiesta. So in conclusion, 2020, I think, was a really fun and crazy year for Cloud9 CSGO. The ATK roster was like some of the most fun I've ever had watching CS. Like their T-sides were absolutely wild and I loved every minute of it. And their players were so fun. And I absolutely loved watching and studying that roster. It was a really, really fun roster to follow. And this new roster has some exciting and flashy talent as well. And I think they have a really bright future together. So I think 2021 is going to be a really good year for Cloud9. And I can't wait to see how we come back from the play, from the player break. Because I think we're going to come out really strong. So thanks for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Cloud9 underscore win. I also create a TikTok for like clips and whatever else. So you can follow me there. It's at C9win. The nine is a number if you use TikTok. So thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.